Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the show. Today, we have very special guests. Um, so Greg Money, he's joining me, as well as our guest, um, host of the Plus Chirp podcast, former professional baseball player, from high school grad, former football teammate of me, baseball teammate, and football teammate with Greg, uh, Jack Anderson. Jack, how you doing? Awesome. Thanks for having me on. And hey, before we get going here, I just want to say big props on the uh, originality of the show name. I can tell you put a lot of effort <laughs> and energy into that. Yeah. Well, you know, I had to really, I had to pay a lot of money to get that, uh, to get that name because, you know, it's such a, in high demand to, with a very common name. So yeah, you, it's like David Letterman, Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> right. I mean, it's hard to tell even the difference between those, but well, either way, great to have you on. I have a fellow friend, Brad. So let's kind of start off. So the idea we kind of had, we were listening to the episode where you got interviewed on your own podcast. So it was like Jack Anderson show, not called that. Interviewing yeah. Anderson. What a selfish so, move. Um, <laughs> I was listening. I was listening right next to him when you're talking about how you went from Heartland and you ended up getting the scholarship at UIC. And uh, Greg, you want to take it from here? Well, yeah, I was just, you know, I was kind of bummed because I thought I've been telling everyone my whole life, well, at least since, you know, your senior year, my junior year, that I pretty much got you the scholarship to UIC. So it felt like, you know, when when you got the scholarship, I got a little piece of that. Um, and I was just, I was kind of disappointed, you know, not even a name drop, not even, you know, nothing like, oh man, my catcher, Greg, actually was the one who got me the scholarship. You know, he he came up to the mound and he said, you know, Jack, I, I don't really care where you throw it. Just fucking throw it as hard as you can, buddy. Let's let's get they're all here to gun you. Let's let's get you a scholarship, man. So, you know, I was hoping you could maybe elaborate a little bit more on how maybe maybe I had a little bit to do with it. Um, but you know, yeah, that's kind of yeah. No, that's on me. I left I left out <laughs> a critical part of that story. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were when we were talking about the going to heart or being committed to Heartland and going to UIC. I, I did not touch on how Greg was a huge, did like played a huge role in that, but I did talk a little bit about how that was when I I started throwing harder. So what happened was I was really just kind of like a, like a, I was just kind of there, you know, like up until my junior year of high school baseball, I just kind of was kind of like a very average player, very average football player. Um, and then I started working at it, ended up going to the same training facility that Greg went to and he was catching me. Um, and I had this big velocity jump the summer going into my freshman year of college. So I was all set to go to Heartland, which was a, like a, a good junior college program in central Illinois. Um, and then when I was playing summer ball, I started throwing a lot harder, got some division one looks and I kind of felt shitty about like reopening the recruiting process while I was already committed to a different school. Um, but once I was decommitted, those outings and summer ball became a lot more important. So Greg, who, my, who was like the catcher, I forget, and money, maybe you remember the scenario better than I do, but we were at, we were at a travel oh, I, game. I, I got, <laughs> I think I like walked a couple guys. I, I was kind of all around the zone. And I remember at least from my point of the story was Greg came out to the mountain. He was like, look, man, I don't give a fuck where this ball goes. Just <laughs> throw it as hard as you possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah, let's get, let's get you gunned, you know? So yeah. I thought so that's my fault. Thank you, Greg, for that scholarship. It was, it was, it helped out my family, but it came from, <laughs> you know, it helped out my family too. I don't know how, but you know, it was, 
Yeah, no, I, I still think that that summer of baseball, though, like that year of the barn, like I think that was probably some of the, some of the most fun that I've ever had playing baseball was because uh, I just think about all the time, like me, you and Sarge, Grant Dunham, I think it was us three. And we just go pick up random people from Mount Prospect and drive into the games all the way in like Southern Illinois, like two hours away. And we'd always switch driving. And, and I had an old like shit colored brown Dodge Durango with no air conditioning in it. And I think it was my turn to drive. And, and Jack was, was dating a girl and, and we had a double header and he had to get back by a certain time. And we played this whole game and I started getting chewed out by Barney. I remember. And it was like, it was like 30 minutes. It took like 30 minutes for him to yell at me after this game. And Jack's like, dude, I got to get back for this anniversary dinner. And I'm like, don't worry, brother. I got you. <laughs> I went like 150 the whole way down uh, 90, just as fast as I could go. And I got him there with like five minutes to spare. I think it was the coolest thing I've ever done. But there's like a ton of things like that. Like just that whole summer playing baseball was just a blast. Throwing in cherry bombs, just hanging out in the dugout. Yeah nothing <laughs> yeah no i mean i would I, jack it's your show if you want to go down a barn rabbit hole i'm i'm here for it. <laughs> hey, but, I, I remember i didn't so a little bit i didn't play baseball with these guys uh you know like later in high school but i do remember just always hearing these stories about barney so yeah just keep going down so throw us a couple of these i remember tim and grant just go oh god nuts this guy was yeah tell some stories about your coach barney well i mean the greg one that one's pretty good because that just sums it up like <laughs> like uh i had to get back home to go to that dinner with my high school girlfriend's family and we were le we were pretty far away and it was one of those things where it's like all right if we hit no traffic and we hit all the green lights i'll be there like two <laughs> minutes late this is perfect and uh we're leaving the field and i'm meeting greg at his car and then I turn around and Greg's like not there. So I'm sitting in the car waiting. And then next thing you know, 20 minutes go by and I, I'm looking around the corner, just watching this conversation. And Greg's just getting his ass lit up <laughs> because the guy, the, so the guy that runs the facility, he's a, he's an old school guy. He was a scout for the pirates for like 27 years. Uh, I know that because he just, that's his thing. He's like, ah, I was in pro ball for 27 years. <laughs> One of those uh, guys. <laughs> but he's the man. Like, I mean, Greg, you just hinted at it. He is single-handedly the best, like, coach that I was ever around. Yeah. Because it wasn't, like, it wasn't travel ball. You know how travel ball is today where it's like, you pay 1500 bucks and we promise you all these recruiting things and you're going to go to these workouts and you know it's all bullshit this was like a baseball training facility before training facilities were actually a thing so uh his name's tom barnard everyone calls him barney he's just the man he's been around pro ball forever and he's helped out a ton of kids but uh like me in particular but um yeah, that was great. Like, we're going to be on time for this dinner. And then Greg's just getting roasted in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's awesome. So I kind of want to, I'm not going to lie. I remember, I think Greg was actually the one who told me uh, maybe like six, seven months or whatever you started the show. And Greg goes, you know, yeah, you guys remember Jack Anderson? Like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, he started a podcast. And that was before I started this show. And I remember kind of thinking, damn, that, that actually sounds kind of fun. So you were kind of what... I don't want to say you were full inspiration, but kind of, you know, with being bored in quarantine, I heard about you starting it. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll start one. So kind yeah. of how you end up starting with, it sounds like you started with a couple buddies or former baseball players or kind of what kind of got you to start the plus chirp? Uh, 
Alcohol. <laughs> All right. Same with this show. <laughs> Cheers. I mean, that's pretty much what it was. Like we, uh, we had briefly talked about it before quarantine, and then when quarantine hit, we were just bored. And uh, the buddy that that's my co-host, Mitch Shulowitz, he's an area scout for the Dodgers, and we were actually at my apartment one night, and we were just like drinking beers, and we said, "Dude, we know so many people." from pro ball and just word of mouth. And there's all these unique baseball stories out there. Like what if we just started a podcast and see who would want to come on and just talk. And as I'm sure you're getting close to figuring out, like people enjoy just talking about themselves. Right. So when you rip people DMS, we were blown away that when we reached out to like major leaguers, they're like, fuck yeah, I'll come on and talk. Like, okay. So then we would just do everything over Skype and it was a very, like rinky dink process in the beginning at the first couple episodes we recorded there was this massive construction project going on in my building so we had a guy on who's who's blown up on social media do you guys know eric sim no he uh so he was a junior college player who played pro ball forever but he's he's on social media and he just he loves to train. So he's doing this project right now where he's trying to throw 95 as like a retired baseball player. And he's fucking, he's doing it. Like it's insane, but a lot of uh, attention has gone to his page. So when we reached out to him, we're like, Hey, do you want to come on the show? And he's like, sure. We were blown away. So we set up uh, this interview with him and we got these lav mics, which apparently are these, you know, those ones you clip on your collar so that you can't really see them. Those didn't work. Uh, we had this massive <laughs> construction project going on. So we would pause during the interview and you'd hear this drilling in the background and we're like, this is a total nightmare. Um, so that was like the first couple episodes, just no clue what we were doing. We were just reaching out to family and friends, kind of like you were. Like, I think our very first episode, we had uh, our former teammate's brother on who actually has a very cool story, but it was still like that family connection, right? So it took us a little Mm -hmm. while to get to the point where it was like, people knew who we were. uh, And then eventually we kind of carved out this little, this little following that we have. So, uh, but yeah, out of pure boredom, to answer your question, we really didn't have a plan and uh, we just wrapped up season one. So the way we're kind of doing it is um, with the world series starting this week, we wrapped up our first season and then we'll use the off season to just bank a ton of interviews and, and have ready to rock and roll for next baseball season. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. So do you, so do you mainly like a lot of the episodes when you prepare them, is it, are they usually recorded like well, well beforehand? So in the beginning, yeah, because when we started it, we were so fired up to do it that we recorded, I want to say the first 15 or 16 episodes within a matter of like seven calendar days, which actually wasn't a good idea because like we sucked, like we sucked at what we were doing. So as the show continued to grow, like following wise, the content wasn't really any better. Um, So we started hitting a bigger stride once we started planning like a week or two and like in advance. Got it. No. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Cause you think when you look at your first episode, you're like, God damn it. Why don't I just, when I look at myself, it's like, God, Jack, just shut the fuck up, you know, and just stop talking and let the guest talk. Wait, so how did you start yours? Just same, same idea or. So I was bored in quarantine, like, like week one or week two. And I just started doing like these brackets, um, which uh, just like letting Instagram polls decide. And I did this huge one, which was, you know, 64 movie, like comedy bracket. And I kind okay, of. Okay. Wait, hang on. Before you keep going. Um, 
I voted on that, like every every matchup. And I was bummed out because my final four, I I I think the the winners won in a landslide, and I yeah. picked for the other side. Do you remember what the final four were? Yeah, it was um is my memory. Yeah, Step Brothers was the one seed in the top left. All one seeds made the final four. So a lot Classic. of a lot of people were disappointed in that. But you had Step Brothers, which won it all in the top left bracket. Bottom left, they beat Hangover in the final four. Top right, you had was it super bad? So wedding crashers in there. Yeah, wedding. I think wedding crashers was top right one seed and super bad was bottom right. But yeah, Step Brothers ended up beating uh super bad in the championship so very, oh, okay maybe i was wrong you know people were ripping on my seating and then all of a sudden we have pure chalk every one seed making the final four and a one the number one overall seed winning the championship but <laughs> yeah so that's how it started and then i kind of got into and then i did like a next one i'm like kind of i kept like a bears blog going and it was a lot more fun for me to just talk i feel like i would talk with my cousin garrett talk with my dad and just talk about the bears nonstop. Like, yeah, maybe I'll just try like a, a podcast on Instagram live. And then just kind of from there, like, yeah, you know, this is kind of fun, not making any money or anything like that. And then just kind of kept going and then started spamming some Instagram DMS, got some guests. So, and here we are today. Greg, are you, are you ever sitting on interviews outside of this one? Um, no, never. This is the first one. I, I dropped in a little bit. I was, I was going to be in a few, but then I was just, you know, the, Jack usually he'll call you on like Sunday morning at like nine thirty in the morning or night of being out on Saturday, and I'm like, I know exactly why he's calling me. I'm answer because I don't want to podcast right now. So, um, there's that's happened a couple times, and then I was supposed to be in the the Joe Schmo one, the Joe Schmo show one, but I just never finished the Joe Schmo show, so I I thought I wasn't going to bring a lot to the table, so I um, bowed out, but. Uh, no, yeah. So this is the first one, but uh, I figured, hey, why not get the the wheels wet with the with my buddy Jando? Um, yeah, yeah. So it feels feels pretty good to be here. You know, I'm excited. So this is kind of like a little tryout for you. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Maybe after this will be the Greg Money Show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We can maybe change the name. Something to not. <laughs> um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about playing kind of professional baseball and kind of there's one thing that I one of his buddies recently is going to be playing in the, you know, the football spring league where it's kind of interesting because it's, you don't really make any money. It's kind of all about proving yourself, which obviously professional baseball in like the minor leagues, you kind of make that. I kind of wanted to touch, touch a little bit on kind of what kind of goes through your head when, you know, you're not making much money, but you have that goal of kind of making the big leagues and kind of what goes kind of went through your head and you say, all right, I probably need to, you know, you know, stop with this and try to try something else. Yeah. Well, we, we released these t-shirts uh, with, for our show a couple months ago that said play forever on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of sums up how we feel about it. And my thought is like, you don't make any money. So like you said, at that point, you're just doing it because a, you genuinely think you have a shot at playing in the big leagues, which you should at that point, if you don't believe in yourself, you're shit out of luck. Um, and then the second one is just like love of the game. It's cliche, it's corny, but it's true. And we made those play forever shirts thinking like, you know, if you still have it in your heart, like in your heart of hearts and you want to keep playing, then just keep playing because we're going through it now. Like once you're done, you know, we, I know we all put a lot of effort and energy into our professional careers now, but that competitive 
sports part of your life outside of intramural sports or rec sports, whatever you want to call it is gone, you know? So as long as you can hang on to that uh, with confidence, then you got to keep playing because once you retire, you know, like you can't just, can't just fucking go back and play like minor league baseball again. So once you retire, you're done. Um, For me, I was comfortably ready to step away. So like when I signed to go play uh, pro ball, my goal was to, cause I played in the independent league. So which for listeners that don't know, independent league is professional baseball where you get paid, not a lot, but you get paid, but it's not linked up to a minor league or to a major league organization. So it's pretty much like um, a group of guys that are all free agents and you're playing to get signed by different, you know, professional major league organizations. So it got to that point for me after my first season of pro ball at that point, I, I had put up good numbers, uh, in indie ball. Um, I had thrown for like five or six different organizations on the side in the off season. And, uh, I had my wife now who I was dating for like seven years and I was, you know, 25, I think it was. And it wasn't one of those things where I was like, this isn't fair. Like I should be signed. I'm done. I'm quitting. You know, I was, I was very comfortable walking away from baseball. Um, I don't think at that point the financials had a huge reason why I walked away. I think I was just ready. Like Greg, I'm not sure if you went through it with college football, but you know, when you commit your entire life to one thing for so long, it's okay to, you know, it's okay to step away at a certain point and, and not feel guilty about why you're doing it. So that's really where I was at. I was totally content with my career. And to be honest, I was just ready to do something else. No, that totally makes sense. It was just kind of, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm, I don't really have like a good way of putting it in terms of like what I ever went through. Cause you know, I mean, I just stopped playing after high school and like clearly didn't think I'd make it to like a big league in football or anything like that but yeah I yeah I was I mean mine was different because obviously for me being like you know a 5'10 white guy who runs a 5'240 <laughs> uh, the ceiling's pretty low for me right so so for me, it, really kinda, it was kind of just like a, a knowing you know this is kind of it kind of thing yeah uh, but baseball is kind of one of those sports where I feel like you know it, people get better all the time and like there's there's learning curves and and you know there's could be a guy you know the best player in the world at 21 um you know by the time he hits 25 fizzles out and yet there's another guy you know who maybe was unsigned in the independent league and kind of comes through and hits a stride at 25 and figures things out and you know the next you know then they're playing college ball so I feel like for baseball it gets a little trickier because it's it's a sport where you feel like you can physically maybe not as pitching as much, but there's, you know, there's definitely positions you feel like you could play for a while. Um, and it's like hard to be like, wow, physically, I can't do this anymore. Um, but yeah. So no, that's a great point. Cause that's true. Like how many times have you been watching a random baseball game and you've never heard of the guy that's up to bat and then yeah. the announcers, you know, they kind of dive into it and they're like, Oh, he was a 28th round draft pick out of a division two school. And now he's making like three and a half million for the Marlins, and you're like who is this guy um but to give you guys a little more insight what we went through in college like my last year at UIC in 2017 half our like half our team half the guys on that roster 
ended up signing professional contracts. So we had, there was just so much talk of pro ball, you know, Mm -hmm. and I knew, I knew that I wasn't like a surefire draft pick. Like I was aware of that I was coming off of Tommy John. I was like a six foot four, 200 pound right-hander that was, you know, 90, 91, like those are a dime a dozen. So I, I understood that I wasn't like necessarily going to be a draft pick or even have the chance to play pro ball. But since there were so many people in my circle that were talking about it and going through it, that's all I cared about, you know? So mm-hmm. I had guys, you know, right next to me in the locker room on either side that were, we were all getting questionnaires, which is like a little, little, uh, answer sheet you pretty much fill out for area scouts so they have your information on file you're all talking to the same scout so like you're comparing yourself to guys in the locker room and I, and I was having a good year and our team was so good that we were just all these scouts would come to our games just based off of mm-hmm. you know my teammates that were balling and uh at that point you know you get tunnel vision because you're just thinking like all right once the season's over the drafts in June that's all I'm thinking about because like my seven or eight best friends, you know, they're all talking to scouts. I'm talking to scouts like this has to happen. Right. But then when you look big picture, there's 370 something division one programs in the country. Mm-hmm. And there's probably three or four prospects on average across each of those teams. And then you factor in international scouting, junior college scouting, high school signs and when you look at it from a wider lens it's like all right maybe this you know fifth year senior from palatine's not like a a for sure draft pick and that's ultimately what happened which is fine like i'm not i I just i have so much more respect for guys that actually do go and play because it's hard man it's hard to stand out at that level Mm. yeah in terms of like do you think so when you went in to play college baseball, did you think that like this was going to lead to, hey, you know what, I'm going to play college, I'm going to go to the minors and try to make it big? Or like you said, like your team was so good and everyone was talking about playing minor league baseball. Do you think that is that kind of what led you to, you know, to continuing to play after you graduated? Yeah, uh, probably more the latter. Um, when I had gotten to UIC, like the last team that I played for before college was with Greg. Uh, but when I got to UIC, um, I struggled like my first two years. Like I wasn't really that good. I remember the first batter that I ever faced was Mikey Reynolds at Texas A&M. Uh, my, my first, so the last kid that I threw to before college was Greg at probably some shit high school field in like Romeoville. <laughs> and then my next game uh, was at Texas A&M in front of yeah, like. I remember that. That was, you it was an though didn't you didn't you make you made didn't you make like a sick play off the mound like uh a... yeah i mean i just I like off the mound you know <laughs> like a diving throw it was pretty sweet i remember i gotta come on this show more often you guys are making me feel good <laughs> <laughs> well i just remember being like it's like i was still in high school i'm like holy shit you know that's jack anderson i just caught him like you said like a couple of months ago yeah making diving plays getting on espn against texas <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Like that, they the field. I mean, I remember standing in the outfield at A and M during BP because in college you play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you practice Thursday nights. So we were standing in BP in center field. And I was just looking at the stadium, and I'm like, oh my god! I'm like, in two days, I'm going to be me throwing here with all these drunk fans. Like you guys, you ever seen the video in college baseball where the fans go like ball five, ball six? ball where they keep where the pitcher keeps throwing consecutive balls yeah. that's a and m so i'm like i better, I better <laughs> you know i better fill it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um anyways fast forward to that game first guy i faced i struck him out on three pitches and i'm like oh my god like this is a total this breeze like this like uh, <laughs> what am i doing here um and then we got back home and we played conference play and you know you're young and they keep throwing you out there and i was getting barreled and you know, I was getting frustrated because I wasn't getting better. Um, so to answer your question, when minor leagues kind of came into the picture was when we had uh, we had a scout day at UIC where all the area guys just come to the field and we work out, you know, guys take BP, pitchers throw, guys take ground balls. And uh, I channeled my inner uh, Greg Money because we had uh, <laughs> a session of the workout where it was just me on the mound not facing any hitters and all the area guys were behind home plate. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to like fucking chuck it, baby. Yeah. Like I'm looking to tear <laughs> something. And uh, so I think as a junior, you know, I, I think I hit 90 and that was a huge deal for me. Cause at the time, like now 90, if you don't throw 90 as like a 17 year old, that's like uncommon now it's crazy. Uh, but I hit, I hit 90 and I started getting some attention and then I got hurt. So I think what motivated me through all that was just like, I went through all the shit for physical therapy, but the last thing that I had before I got hurt was like a couple letters from, from pro teams, from major league organizations. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to go through all this to just like come out here and suck. So that was a huge motivator for me. And then it became a little bit more real as I got older, but definitely not when I got there, when I got there, I was like, what is college? Like, I don't even know how to carry myself. I, I was, I, I didn't focus nearly as much as I should have on baseball. Um, and then you get humbled on the field, you know, and then very quickly you're like, all right, I gotta, I gotta lock it in here. Uh, yeah, that, no, that's awesome. I mean, I know, uh, I mean, that's cool that you kind of kept with it. So in terms of a different perspective here, so we were kind of, we were kind of talking about when you think you, when you were like, you knew you kind of like done, but in, in the meanwhile, I know you were you were on the B team freshman year when you were in high school. At what point did you know, like, hey, I'm good. I could probably play this in college. Um, that's a good question because I like force recruiting on coaches. Like I was never a recruit where, you know, like Greg Money putting together a huddle tape and just getting all this love and affection from these college. That wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have that. Uh, I was sending emails to like every school that I could come across, you know, when you go to their website and you see all the emails listed under the staff directory, I would mm -hmm. go to like JUCOs that I thought I could play at D1s that I thought I could play at D2s I thought I could play at and just spam emails to everybody and be like, here's my, here's my uh, highlight tape that I kind of put together with my mom from Legion baseball. Uh, and just try to draw some attention. And I got the first little sniff of college baseball from Heartland, but it's funny because junior college is a little bit different. Like if you listen to the episode where we talked about this on our show, I was telling the story about how, when I went down there, um, I had this vision of 
a recruiting trip in my head, like you see on ESPN, right? Where they, where they take the ESPN top 100 recruits out to the football field and they give them a little Mm -hmm. media pass and they're on the sidelines and they're getting food and Gatorade and everything on my recruiting trip. They asked me to throw a bullpen. They're like, yeah, all right, bring your gloves. (laughs) You bring your gloves. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) So I, uh, I was talking with Hartland. They're like, yeah, why don't you come on down? Like we have practice on this day. We have practice at two. Why don't you come at two? I'm like, why would I come at two? You guys have practice. Like, aren't you supposed to show me around the facilities? Like what's going on? And they're like, yeah, why don't you throw a bullpen for us? I'm like, oh my God. So I drive down. (laughs) So my mom and my dad and myself go down there. And uh, sure enough, the team's practicing on the field. Like they're just they're inner squatting on the field and they like pull a catcher off to the side. And I just start throwing to this guy. And I'm like, <laughs> like aren't you guys supposed to be recruiting me? I, I'm not supposed to be like pr- proving myself right now. And uh, so it ended up working out. Cause I ultimately, I ultimately uh, signed with them. Didn't actually go there, but you know, I signed with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I never had a ton of attention. Like now you see all those high school kids today where they have the Instagram posts, you know, these are my options. And it's like every power five school in the nation wasn't like that for us. And this wasn't even that long ago. So it was very, it was very different. Were you kind of startled? Like, were you in baseball gear when you went to, when he says, Hey, we want you to throw a bullpen or do you think like at a party with all the college guys or no, I, so I knew I was going to throw, I knew ahead of time, Oh, Uh, but I was caught off guard when he told me. So like, you know, I pictured going down there and they're going to roll out the red carpet for me. And they're like, yeah, bring your spikes, you know, bring your glove. You're going to throw to our backup catcher on the side and we'll see if we like you. If not, you're just going to drive two hours home. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. It would so. be really funny though, if you were just in like jeans and like, a, like a <laughs> you're expected like, oh, I'm going to party at this college. And then the coach goes, hey, son, go throw a bullpen. You got gym shoes on and just <laughs> jeans on, just trying to throw. But Yeah, I mean, there's some crazy junior college shit that happened. So for all I know, there could have been a kid out there that got signed just like that. <laughs> yeah. So you want to, so you said you're doing some episodes for the World Series. Um, so do you, do you follow Major League Baseball pretty well? Yeah, yeah. Who are you so pulling you- for in the World Series? I'm rooting for the Rays. Um, who, who are you rooting for? Uh, no, I, I think it's the Rays, but the Dodgers are fun to watch. Um, yeah. My young talent on that team. So. so here's my thing. I like the Rays because no one likes them. Like no one really cares about them. Like my buddy who we do the show with, he's the, he's the scout for the Dodgers. So he's, yeah. he's on board. I think that uh, I just watched Moneyball last week. It's on Netflix now if you guys want to rewatch it. And I just was getting some major Tampa Bay, Bay, Tampa Bay Ray vibes watching that. Like those guys just go out there and mm-hmm. get after it. And I love it. Small market. Well, it's like you, I, like I saw some statistic where the Dodgers are like number two after the Yankees for highest payroll. And the other Rays are like paying, I think it's like $23 million is like their total player payroll or something. And compared to the Dodgers who are in like the hundreds of millions, you know? So yeah. I think like that's, that's kind of nuts. And, and yeah, like you said, like that money ball, I don't, maybe it's not as much money ball. I think it's probably more of just kind of time. You know, they, they got hot at the right time. Uh, that rookie, what, what's that rookie's name? The, their three hitter, but he just hits like his, is uh, his playoffs are just insane. His statistics. Yeah. 
Um, so Michael Brousseau, you guys know that name? He's on the Rays. Sounds yeah. So we actually put he he went to he went to a very very small school in our college conference called Oakland. Um, yeah, that, Dunham's brother played there. In Michigan. Yeah, exactly. And it's crazy because this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, money where he was a good college player. You know, like he probably hit. I, I just I don't want to like bash his name, but he probably hit right around 290, 300 and played good defense mm-hmm. in a mid-major conference. And now he's like in the World Series. Yeah. So there's no telling how these guys develop. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the wildest part about baseball is like just think of the hundreds and it, it's different than football, right? Football, there's not really a developmental league. Um, you know, baseball, it's like there's hundreds of thousands, not hundreds, there's thousands of players across, like across Major League Baseball as a whole. And only, you know, these, this number of guys like rise to the top, but it's like, who, who knows out of these thousand players, you know, who's going to be that next, you know, that next great player. It's just such a, I feel like it's just such a random thing. It's like a random you know, yeah, yeah. I know what I'm saying. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's what I think why they have 50 rounds in mm-hmm. baseball, and they have two rounds in basketball because in basketball it's so easy to tell if some guy's got the build and the skill for basketball. If he's over six seven, he's fast. Like, yeah, all right, this guy's probably going to be a potential NBA player. If you're, you know, a baseball player, there's so much variability, and especially it's so easy to get in a slump in baseball if you go like yeah. getting a run where you're going like two for thirty. And just start getting down on yourself and the game slow is can be kind of slow. Sometimes you start playing poorly. It's, it's easy to try to, you know, just say like, Hey, this game's, you know, it's not my thing, you know? Yeah. And, and what, let me got, let me ask you guys this. What are your thoughts on how fast guys move from a college to pro in certain sports? Because I'm not sure if you guys remember maybe five years ago when the Royals made their run and they had Brandon Finnegan, who was a left-handed pitcher for him. He pitched in the college world series that year for TCU and then pitched in the major league world series for the Mm -hmm. Royals. But what pisses me off sometimes is when these major league organizations sign guys for three and a half, $4 million. And then it takes them seven years to get to the big leagues. And it's like, yeah, you obviously signed him for a reason. You know, yeah. Baker Mayfield, his his last college game was like 10 months before his first NFL game. And, you know, you, you spend all this time and the minor leagues suck. You make no money. You got bad housing, bad nutrition. The travel's brutal. And then you just stick him in that environment for like however many months until they prove themselves. It's like, why don't you take them maybe a little bit sooner and just be like, look, we paid you all this money for a reason. Go play. If, if you have like a glaring issue, we'll send you down. But I kind of think that what, like just by watching the game, the speed and the physicality of baseball and, or of basketball and football outweighs baseball. Like, I think you could probably plug in more guys than they do right now that are recently drafted into a major league lineup and they would do fine. Yeah, no, that's, that's probably definitely true. I, 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 I feel like baseball is still a lot of baseball is still like very old school and like a lot of things that they do totally where it's like you know that's that's why you have guys playing like five six years in the minors you know because in the eyes of the coaches in the minor league you know even in in the system like all the way from the top down it's you know this guy hasn't earned it yet so 
you know, he's got, he has two years here, two years here, two years here before we're even going to consider him. And there's all these other guys that have been kind of already doing that, right? You know, who's the stud you signed this year for $2 million that you put in double A, you know, there was a stud that you did the same thing to two years prior that's now in triple A. See, I feel like it's just so old school in the way that you're thinking on, you know, whose time is it this time? Yeah. I'll play devil's advocate a little bit to that. Cause is it, I feel like it is rare though. that you will see a guy in triple A who's, you know, who's been like 390 or 400 that doesn't get brought up. And if a guy is, if a guy, like you said, if they're paying a guy, let's say they give a first round draft pick, you know, a three and a half, $4 million signing bonus. And after four or five years, he's still not in the league. I think they just realize, Hey, it's an investment we lost. Cause I'm sure if you're getting paid that kind of money, they're going to give you that advantage over somebody who's getting paid nothing. They're probably going to pick the guy they're paying first in order to get up there. So I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't follow baseball as closely as you do, but I don't, I don't see it as a a huge concern just because, Hey, if a guy has that talent and he's hitting well, he's still going to get brought up. Do you actually, do you see a lot of guys that are, you know, they're hitting unreal in the minors and they still don't get brought up to the big leagues? Not necessarily that. Um, Well, I think the, like what I, the point that I was trying to make was just like a lot of guys careers get derailed. Like how many times do you hear about a, a guy that signed for a ton of money and then never panned out. And what I'm saying is I think that there are guys that could pan out if you just show some confidence in them, you know, kind of like the confidence that we have in you was reflected in the amount of money that we gave you. So instead of just sending you to a ball and then if you don't perform, you know, and take this all with a grain of salt, because there are a lot of organizations that have clearly, clearly figured out how to develop players and move them through the system. I'm just saying there have been a couple examples where guys have made a fast jump almost to the point where they don't have enough time to think and take in pro ball and they just go out there and play and they do well. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I think it would be really interesting to see the MLB take on something like the NBA has where they have one team kind of right in the area of the, of the home teams or of that organization's home field. And then use that as like a taxi squad where, you know, guys can come up and down within a day if needed. Yeah. So, so yeah. So kind of like you, know, you have the AL central instead of the Sox triple eight in Charlotte or, they, you know, you put them in, I don't know, Peoria or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like have them around the corner. Yeah, here's, I, I, here's, how, here's how it works in minor league baseball. You have you have A ball, double A, and triple A for every team, right? Some teams have high A and low A. That's probably 35 guys per team. And how many guys do you truly invest in? It's like the first three rounds. So what you're right. pretty much doing is you're – you know, there's carryover year after year because guys get a couple of years older and they're still playing minor league baseball. But essentially what they're doing is they're drafting enough players to allow those big money guys to prove themselves. So they're just like drafting enough people to come field teams. Field the team. Yeah. With like the off chance that, you know, five or six guys from a, a draft class stick around and continue to play well enough to be there. It's very weird. That is weird. Right. Well, I think even, I remember, I don't forget the name, but there was someone I remember from friend, like some family connection to like the MLB or like maybe the Cubs or whatever. And he got drafted in like the 48th round 
And I remember people making a big deal, like, oh my God, he got drafted in the MLB. And like, well, I don't think you realize getting drafted in like the 48th round, you know, I mean, they're just kind of hoping you, you stick around. It's not like getting drafted by the bears or by the bulls or by the Blackhawks or whatever. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good point. So what happens there is uh, usually in that situation, um, the team has already committed to signing X amount of players and they've already used up their slot value money for all those guys. So they have the ability to just make it a cool story and be like, you know, we're going to draft uh, this guy's son. He's been a part of the organization for 15 years. We have zero intention of actually signing him. So those guys don't actually get signed. They just get drafted. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, you got any other questions here? We talked a little, we talked a little world series. We talked a little, some college baseball. Oh, I got, I had one other one for you. I saw you guys had Barstool Carl on the, on the, in your show. So I didn't realize until I'd say like maybe this year that he pitched at Illinois. Um, was, was he a, was he a fun guest to have on the show? He seemed like he was having a good time. When I saw some of the clips. Yeah. He's an awesome dude. So he actually lives uh, he's, he's recently moved, but before he moved up to the North side, he lived like three buildings over from me. So I'd never seen him before. And, uh, about maybe two or three weeks after we recorded, I saw him outside walking his dog, but he's such a cool dude. Like obviously people know him from Twitter where he's funny and he's got this huge following and, uh, he's really good at what he does. Um, but I would assume that those guys get asked to come on podcasts all the time. And what I think happens is they expect the people that are going to be interviewing them to just be like, tell us about Barstool. Tell us about, tell us about what this happened and this happened, yada, yada. So our approach was like, let's just talk about Carl's baseball career. So we just uh, <laughs> like. So that he just, never, probably never gets any questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. And he got so pumped up. He was, I think he, <laughs> I think he said something like, uh, you know, if I would have thought that I would be talking to anybody else besides my mom about my U of I career. <laughs> so he was, I think he was appreciative that it, it wasn't him coming on the show and we were just like stroking off Barstool for 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> but he's a great guy. He actually has a, a pretty cool baseball story. Like he went there and he walked on and he ended up being a pretty big piece of their bullpen by the time he left. So yeah, he's a great guy. You should get him on your show. He's, he's good shit, man. Well, it sounds like we want to get him on the show. We just say, hey, talk about, you know, he went to <laughs> Illinois, like your partying baseball career at Illinois. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, maybe I'll hit him up. I know his, uh, his intern. Um, so I ran into an interesting story with his intern. I don't know, intern DC, that's his like Twitter name. So I went to a Bears tailgate last year and all of a sudden I get in line. I got a cigar and a beer in my hand and he comes up and, hey, would you want to be interviewed? Like, yeah, for sure. He's got a bar still hat on and goes, hey, um, how long do you think this, isn't the porta potty line ridiculous? I'm like, eh, I don't think it's that bad. No, how long do you think this is going to take? And he goes like, his intern goes, I bet it takes like 35, 40 minutes. Like, no, 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 no. I'll take the under on that. I'll take 20 bucks. <laughs> he goes, all right. Yeah. You know, how about 25 minutes? Like deal. I got in and out of the bathroom in like seven minutes. And then I, it was on uh, Carl's tailgate video where he's talking about his, my intern made the worst bet of all time on it. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, I got a couple texts from my cousin's cousin. They're like, "Hey, I saw your, I saw Jack in this video, or not to me, but you, know, you get the idea." Sent it to my cousin, and they're like, "Jack, you're all you're like a third of this video." And it was Carl's first tailgate video. 
<laughs> yeah, it sounds, seems he seems like a very. I've listened to Redline Radio all the time. He seems very interesting. So maybe I'll just send him a DM and be like, "Hey, want to talk about just University of Illinois?" And we won't talk Barstool. We'll see. <laughs> he, I'm telling you, he'd be down for it. Um, hey, Greg, before we before we wrap up here, we got a maybe one more Barney story on the way out. Do you remember? Uh, I forget where we were playing, but we were playing early in the morning, and we all fired in dips on the ride over there. And uh, I think it was Skull Cherry Bombs when we first started chewing. And yeah. And uh, what I remember was, so like we talked about earlier, Barney was a very old school guy, like pro ball approach, right? So take care of your business. He doesn't care how you got there. He doesn't care what you did the night before, as long as you show up and you're ready to get after it. So I think I, I think I pitched the day before and I was just going to DH that day or whatever. So I had never really dipped before. Like Greg, like this guy over here was like can a day. He was the reason why we all got Still in. Is. Yeah. Guy likes to compete. And uh, <laughs> someone's going to do it. <laughs> so I remember getting in the truck, Greg's truck, this piece of shit, like Dodge that we would always somehow get to games in. And uh, we put in a dip. And we were playing, had to be an 8 a.m. game. And it was so early, fired a dip in, and I got this massive head buzz. But I was, like, fine with it because I had a feeling I wasn't going to play. So I sit down on the bench, you know, after we're done taking ground balls, and I'm it's spinning. Like, I'm, I'm in bad shape before this game. And it's hot as hell. It's, like, 90 and humid, and the sun's not even up yet. And Barney saw me sitting on the bench, and he's like, he's like, Jack, don't move a muscle. And I'm sitting there like, like my hat's like this. I'm like, ah. and he's like, everybody look at Jack Anderson. And I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just sitting there like this, like totally out of it. And uh, so he either thinks that I'm like super hungover or whatever. But anyways, we had a double header. We finished that game. He scratched me from the lineup. I told him that like my, my legs were sore or whatever. <laughs> bullshit excuse. <laughs> yeah, whatever I, whatever I came up with. And uh, he goes, all right, well, game's over. You know, everyone go get food. We'll come back for the second game. So literally everybody leaves the field. And he's like, Jack, stay here. We're going to make your legs not feel so tired. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be brutal. So he went out to deep center field and I was on the left field foul line and I would run. So picture like me on the left warning track pretty much. And he was in deep center. I would jog to him with the baseball in my hand. And then I would flip it to him, go around him, and then run like on a straight line towards the right field warning track foul area. And he would throw me a football pass. And he never really like chewed my ass, but he just knew that I wasn't in, you know, good mental spot to be at the game. So while all the guys are gone eating before the start of game two, I'm just like running my face off <laughs> in the outfield with him just so buzzed off skull cherry it was brutal i remember yeah i remember you take those skull cherry bombs and just throw it against the wall have them stick it was a that yeah i'm telling you that that year of baseball was hilarious barney barney i don't think barney didn't like me but he used to chew me out at least jack you just make a run with it he just <laughs> chew me out i remember who who's that big left we had a big lefty on our team and i think this is the last time i think you were the only person who let me catch after that because Jack, I caught Jack all throughout, like, in high school and stuff, so, but every other pitcher we had, I would always throw back from my knees, and uh, 
So there's a guy on first base and he kept saying, Money, if you throw back from your fucking knees one more time, I'm taking you out of the fucking game. So I throw back from my knees, it's kind of like, fuck you. And he comes right out to the field and fucking comes up and grabs me by the money. It's like it's like he just threw a fucking strike. Like we're it's like one and one here. He grabs me by the he goes, Do you throw it back from your knees? I'm taking you out of the fucking game. I'm like, all right, I'm not gonna throw it back. So the next inning I threw back from my feet and then just a habit, threw it back from my legs one time, and I looked right over, and he was fucking looking right at me. <laughs> Took me out middle middle of a pitch, like middle of an at bat. So, but he, I mean, he was a really great coach. He's just, uh, yeah, like you said, just an old school guy. But, he was a life lesson guy. Yeah, he's a uh, well, like I, I remember, I got in trouble in high school, and no one else, Barney didn't give, didn't care at all. He just, I, I came in try to catch a bullpen with like an injured arm. He's like. Hey man, like I heard what happened. Just go sit down. It's all right. If you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it later. Like that's the kind of guy he was. Really, yeah. He was really cool and yeah, he just yeah, very old school. But uh, yeah, he's the best. He's the best guy going. Love him. Definitely. All right. Um, I I got one one last comment. I got your high school. I got your college stats up right now on this other screen. Oh no. Yeah, I would say you're finished off. You won in out of the 10 last games you pitched in, you finished nine and one, and you got your ERA down from seven five to three three by the end of the season. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Seven five. Wait, so that was seven five in the same year? Yeah, you yeah, and March 4th, 2017, you had a seven five. And then by the time your last game against Wright State, you're down to a three three. Or a, there's two ERA columns on here. I don't know what the difference is between the Oh no, that's for this game. Yeah, and then you got it down to a. That's a that's a hell of a way to finish the career. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's always tough the first couple of weeks because you don't have a lot of innings under your belt. So like any runs that score, it really inflates your ERA. So it's always right. the worst when you, when you like pull up the pull up the game log after and you're like, damn, I thought I felt pretty good today. And you had you know, six or seven innings, a couple earned, and your ERA is like eighteen. You're like, man, that looks brutal. <laughs> Yeah, but if you get that first out and just quit the team, zero all-time record in lowest ERA. Exactly. exactly. All right. Well, that's all I got for you. Any? You got anything yeah, else? That's all I got. It was fun talking to you. Yeah, today, dude, this is a blast. Um, maybe I think uh, maybe next uh, baseball season we'll figure something out like this, and yeah, we'll talk through uh, yeah some some more baseball or anything. Maybe we can talk a little Donna Tucci and some from high school football. <laughs> wow. There we go. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Talk to you later. Bye, buddy.